Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you today? Awesome, awesome, awesome. So glad you're here today. It's a beautiful day outside, and uh, what a great weekend so far. Our students are on retreat. They are coming back after our third service, so if you have been kid-free this weekend like my wife and I. We've been having date night every night. It's been awesome. Come on. Everybody with me on this? Yes. Three of you have kids. Uh, anyways, but we're, uh, we're so uh, glad you're here. A couple things before we jump in. I, I want to just kind of reiterate what you just heard there. Um, this coming weekend, uh, right here, starting on Saturday night at 5, we're adding our fourth service. Everybody do this real quick. Do this with me. Fourth service, fourth service. So all week long, invite your friends, invite your family. Take a picture of your hand doing four. Well, I don't care what you have to do, um, but it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. And then, f- for those of you who sat down on on this piece of paper right here, this is um, <laughs> this is a uh, this is Legacy Offering Weekend. Uh, so if you're new here or if you've never been here before, you know every church receives some sort of offering and tithes at, at the end, or they have a box at the back, or they have a kiosk or whatever. Once a year, we take we receive an offering uh, that we tell you about literally two months in advance. Um, and, and for those of you who've been here, you know this is, we do this every year. And it's just a one, once a year offering. It's kind of above and beyond whatever the normal offerings and tides are to sort of help us, not only us, but our partners, our missions partners here in the city, and then our global missions partners, just to go further, faster. And um, we've just seen from the, the years b- b- uh, gone before, we've been doing this since day one of our church, uh, we've just seen God move incredibly through this offering and help people's lives change. And so we'll be doing that at the end. You don't have to get up and leave early. Nobody's going to pressure you or do anything weird. Okay, so everybody with me? Uh, we're just going to receive it at the end. Whatever God says to you, if he says nothing, you do whatever God tells you to do. But today, we are wrapping up our, our When Pigs Fly series. Uh, when Pigs Fly is an idiom that we use sometimes. It's a little bit old school now uh, to describe something that's not likely to happen. So like last week, I said... Um, the Cowboys could, could beat the, the, the Eagles at that night when pigs fly. And then they did because it's God's miraculous power, y'all. Come on, somebody. Um, and, and they won, and they won big. That's all I'm saying. They're going to lose big probably the next time. But today, that week, they won big. Uh, I'm not going to say that. I'm, I'm taking that away. Undo what I just said there because I have faith in them-ish. Uh, ish. So today we're talking about the miracle of provision. So when pigs fly has been a series, if you're not, if you hadn't been with us, about miracles and God, how God works miracles. And today we're going to talk about the miracle of provision. Provision is just the act of providing something that needs to be used, that somebody needs. Um, it's not a word, provision is not a word most of us think about very often, um, if, if at all. It doesn't mean much unless we're saying it sort of as a joke, like when we are going on a road trip. It's like, hey, we, babe, we got to stop by the Valero, or we got to stop by Bucky's, even better, and we got to we got to lay in some provisions, you know, for the road trip. Anybody know what I'm talking about? For me, which is hot tamales, the box candy kind, and a big red. Anybody with me on this? <laughs> Two people, yes, yes, that's more than one, uh, and which was the last service. Um, I- if you have been raised in some sort of church. Um, you may have used the wor- heard the word pr- provision used to describe some sort of uh, maybe unexpected upgrade in life. You'll hear you know church people say something like, "Man, God really came through and provided us with a new house, 
or he came through and provided us with a new car. Or if it's a church like our church, uh, we're building a new building down the road right here. And uh, five years ago, God uh, blessed us with some land at a price that uh, was unbelievable then. But now as we're looking back, as we've gotten it appraised, it was a miracle. It was a miraculous kind of a thing that God provided. Maybe some of you have, um, like me, been in seasons of your life where you were in a, maybe a financial crunch of some kind, and, and you can recall some sort of, sort of like, what, what else can you describe it, but as a miraculous sort of thing that would happen. Um, maybe some of you, again, like me, have had like a check show up in the mail, or somebody say, hey, man, I had you on my heart. I just felt like you may could use this, and something would show up, and it would be an amount that would be like, man, that's exactly what we need, and you would probably say, you know what, that was a, that was a miracle of provision. But the, but the truth is, is that most of us as Americans, uh, we're sort of self-sufficient in America, and that's kind of good, and that's kind of not always so good. But we would rarely say that we depend on God's provisions in our lives to sort of just make it through our lives. Um, and yet, I would remind us that miracles, God's miracles of provision happen all of the time in all sorts of little and, and big ways, but the little ways often go unnoticed by us because we think, oh, that was just happenstance or that, that just sort of worked out. But I would say it was God's behind a lot of that. And so I want to remind us today throughout this message that our God is a God who provides for our every need. Paul, Paul is writing um, to Timothy. Timothy is kind of a protege of his. It's a, he's a, it's a son in the faith, if, you can, if I can use that word. And he's writing to Timothy, who's a young pastor. And here's what he says um, in 1 Timothy 6, verse 17. He says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud. And, and the implication is that they're proud, prideful about their, their, their wealth. And he says, And not to trust in their money, which, as it turns out, is so unreliable. And those of us who've suffered through some market turns, we understand this, right? He says, Their trust should be in God. And then notice this phrase, which describes the nature of God who richly gives us, everybody say this part with me, ready? All we need for our enjoyment. That's who God is. Don't, don't trust in riches. They're unreliable. Don't, don't be proud about what you have, but put your trust in God who richly provides us all we need. Now, this entire series where we've talked about miracles of healing and miracles of protection and miracles of deliverance and salvation has been designed to build up our faith as, as a church, if this is your church, as we step into a season that we've never been in before. We've been, we've been homeless for 11 years, y'all. Come on, somebody. We, we have a home here, but it's not ours. We don't own this, and, and, and it's been great, but we're stepping into a brand, a brand new season, uh, and, and, and so we, we are asking God to raise our level of expectation, our faith, as it relates to protection and, and healings and, and deliverance, and now, of course, provision. I want us to leave here believing in a God who, who richly um, gives us all we need. Because I know, I know that for, for many of us, um, money can be tight. Some of you are maybe a single parent in the room today, and you're raising kids, and it's really hard to do it on, on a single income. And some of you would say, you know, we are, we, we're financially better than we've ever been, but things are still tight because of all of the modern demands of, of, of modern life, or the demands of modern life, particularly if you have teenagers. Come on, I got two of them, man. Teenagers are expensive, everybody. 
what? You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't realize how expensive I was to my parents. I should write them a note now and a check. Uh, thank you, Mom, for, yeah. Um, so so but wherever you're at on the continuum, in every case, we're going to take our needs to God in prayer because prayer is our first response, not our last resort. Would you say that with me? Prayer is our first response, not our last resort. That's something we say all the time here, but we believe it in every situation in life. So, so God is a God who provides. This is his nature. This is his character. F- Philippians chapter 4, Paul, same guy who wrote the verse we just read. He says, let me give you guys some great news. And my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Our God is the giver of all the good things that come in our life. The Bible says in James chapter 1 that every good and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father. That's what it says. And and yet, before we dive into this idea of God as uh, being a miraculous provider, we have to acknowledge something that we just saw in Scripture, and that is that God promises to meet our needs. Come on, somebody. God promises to meet our needs. That he never promised to meet our, our wants, all right? And yet, we can tend to struggle with this idea of, God, where were you in this financial season of my life? Because we misinterpret what God promises to do. I, I think it's, all, it's easy for us all to understand um, the difference between needs and wants, and we have to explain this to our kids sometimes. For example, some of you would say, dude, I need some new shoes, and what you want is those $250 uh, sneakers that, that just came out from somewhere. Come on. Y'all, I don't know if you guys know this now, because I didn't know this, how expensive te- uh, tennis shoes are. Like when I was a kid, my mom would take us to JCPenney's or Sears. That was the two options. Not Foot Locker. We didn't, there was a Foot Locker back in Nam when I was a kid, but we didn't get to go there. We went to the JCPenney where you get the shoe, and it would only have one stripe, not three. It was, we were too poor to have three stripes. There was no swoosh. It was just a line. It was, it didn't, we couldn't afford it for it to go back up. It was a no brand. Right? Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You didn't have like two. So we're like, I, I need some shoes, God, and I need these, these Yeezys. I, I didn't know what that was until the other day. Um, but, but and, and then we're like, and God, I need a rest. And if you could do 14 days at an all-inclusive resort in the Caribbean, Yeah. Somebody say amen right about now. Yeah, I need that, God. Right? We need a house. Everybody needs a house of some kind, shelter of some kind to live in. And, but we're like, but God, I want an urban farmhouse designed by Chip and Joanna. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's what I want. But it's not necessarily what we need. Amen, everybody? You know what I'm saying? There's a difference. And so we're going to think about three uh, principles of the miracles of God's provision. Three sort of guiding principles. And the first one is this, that when God guides, he always provides. Come on, you need to lock that in. That, that, that needs to be down in your, your brain cells. That, that, that where God guides, he always provides. And when he guides, he always provides. Um, when God is the one that you're following, right? When you're a Christ follower, his provisions are always going to be follow you, following you. We used to say it like this, and sometimes I still do. If it's God's will, it's God's bill, right? And I think that's just a good way. But by the way, that should be a, like a bumper sticker for somebody right now. 
Like, like, and we don't make that. That's not something we're making up. That's not a Dannyism, a euphemism. This is from the text, the biblical text, Isaiah chapter 58, verse 11. I, I want you to read this with me. I want to see, I'm going to read it slowly. The Lord will guide you always, and he will satisfy your needs. Where? Where will he do this? Like even if it's in a sun-scorched land, he's going to strengthen your frame. And you're going to be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. That, that even when it feels like there's a drought in your life, and maybe that life feels barren, the God of the universe is going to provide your needs when you are being led by him, when you are Galatians 5, 20, when you are walking, keeping in step with his good spirit, he's going to take care of you. When, when you're walking in sync, and this is so important, when you're walking in sync with his will and his purpose, his provision will always be there. I, I love the Psalms, and Psalm 27, I think it's verse 25, says that uh, I was, the, the psalmist says, I was young, and now I'm old, right? Some of you are like, that's my testimony. Come on, right? <laughs> that's my testimony. I was young, and next thing I knew, I was old. But he says, and yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children out begging for bread. This is a guy who says, I've lived a long time now. And in every season, I've seen people, I've never seen people who were following Jesus, who were following God, and, and who were out begging for bread and, and, and feeling forsaken. Some of you may say, well, Danny, I felt like sometimes in my life, God, where are you? I've got a mortgage payment that's due at the same time that my car payment's due. And I, I planned a vacation that I felt led by the Spirit to book. I didn't know how I was going to pay for it because I'm still paying off Christmas 2018. Yeah, but, but God, where are you? Right? And I think sometimes we've abandoned the principles of God. And then we wonder why bad things are happening to us financially. Is it possible that God has provided for our needs, and yet we took the provision and we spent it on our wants. It's just a thought, man. H here's the thing. God's provision is not a get-out-of-jail-free card for our bad financial decisions. It's just not. And I just believe that God is calling us back to understanding what His promises are uh, related to our finances, about our life in general, and just letting those things flow into our lives as we follow him as we follow him and the promise is according to paul that my god will supply all of your needs now here's a principle i want to drop in on you right in, in every story of need in the bible you're going to find that there is a miracle of provision just go read through it in every story of need you're going to see a miracle of provision and throughout scripture you're going to see this time after time again i, I want to spend just a few moments on three stories i could have picked 20 just three from the Bible where you see a need that God provides. And in, in the Gospel of John, John chapter 6, this story shows up in other, others of the Gospels. But John chapter 6, there are thousands of people gathering now to hear Jesus teach and preach. And he's doing miracles. And people have been there all day now and they're hungry as a result. Like I get hungry just after one service, right? Come on, y'all. Like I need a snack in between services. Um, but they've been there all day listening to him preach and teach. And so the disciples are like, we got to feed these people. And Jesus is like, well, let's get them some bread or whatever. And they're like, we don't have any. That would take like eight months wages to feed all these people. Well, like, what do we got? And they find that the, a little boy has a, a lunch with two fish and five loaves of bread. 
I don't know why I needed five loaves for two fish. Maybe he was a bread guy. I don't know what I'm saying, but whatever. But here's the key. They take it and they bring it to Jesus. He blesses it. He multiplies it. He feeds everybody in, in, in there that was there with, with remember the story? With 12 baskets uh, left over. 12 baskets of food. I don't know why it was 12 baskets made with some college kids that were like, dude, we're sick of ramen noodles, man. We heard Jesus is coming, and they had so much faith that they brought a grocery basket with them, like from like, like Piggly Wiggly. Anybody south people? Down in the south, they have Mississippi. We had a Piggly Wiggly. We, we remember going, like, where's the grocery store when we moved to Mississippi? And they're like, oh, the Piggly Wiggly's right over there. <laughs> Do what now? Piggly Wiggly? What? I don't know. Winn-Dixie, you know, that was another one. And these people brought a basket. In the Old Testament, in, in, in 2 Kings chapter 4, the prophet Elisha is talking to this widow who has, who's scared about her future and how things are going to turn out for her. Her husband had died and had, had left her with some debt, and the creditors have shown up wanting to be paid. She can't pay them, so they're going to take her boys uh, as sort of indentured servants until they have paid off the debt. And so the prophet says to her, well, what do you have in your house? And she says, I don't have much at all. And maybe some of you can relate to that. She says, I, I have a small jar of oil. He says, okay, we can work with that. Bring me the oil. In the meantime, I want you to go out and find every empty container. Go to all your friends, all your neighbors. Find every empty container you can. Bring it back. And from that little bit of oil, he says, I want you to start pouring it into those empty containers. And as she pours, they continue to fill up. As she pours, they continue to fill up because God was multiplying all the way through. Moses was tasked with the responsibility of being the, the mouthpiece of God to, to the Pharaoh who had enslaved the Israelites for 400 plus years. And he's like, God, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I don't know how to talk well. And God just says to him, hey, dude, what's in your hand? And Moses has a staff or a shepherd's staff in his hand. He says, this is all I've got. He says, okay, good. We can work with that. Throw it on the ground. He throws it on the ground, and God does a miracle that builds up Moses' faith to believe, hey, maybe we could go and do this. And every time in, in all of these stories and, and, and dozens of them like them, each time you see God working his miracles with what they already have. Pay attention to that now. Super important. In, in all of these situations, there were people who were focused on what they were lacking. And, and what we struggle with, if we're honest, is, is not being fixed on a God who's our provider, but being fixated on the things that we lack. And really, it's not even things we lack. It's things that we want most of the time. I wish I had a house like that guy. And why did God give that guy that car and, instead of me? But if that's the lens that you're going to look at your life through, you're going to see what you describe. You would describe as maybe a kind of God that's not always there for you when he's always been there for you and he's always held true to his promises. Again, when God is the one guiding you, his provision is always going to be there. And you're going to have some moments where, yeah, it's fearful, like there's some debt coming or, or like we just had here, Rachel and I, in our own life where some medical stuff happened and we got some bills in the mail and we're like, do what now? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about? We were in the hospital for four hours. That, I could buy a car with that. Like a good, come on, a good car. Four hours. What kind of work did y'all do to me in there? Did you put some gold up in me somewhere? Anyways. Yeah, you can freak out, but here's the thing you got to lock in on. When God guides, he always provides. Second principle is this, that God miraculously multiplies what is given, what is put in his hand. It's almost always how 
a miracle of provision works. In every story we talked about, and dozens more, God takes what we have, however little it is, to create the miracle. Now, now sometimes God does this all by himself. Like, it's like, if you read your Bible, Jonah is this guy, they throw him overboard because he's making life miserable for these guys on the ship. There's a storm, and it's him. They find out it's him. They throw him overboard, and, and God's like, ah, I, I got a fish that's going to swallow you. You'll be fine. Come on. You'll be fine. How many of you like that? Hey, Danny, God, I don't know what to do. You're going to fall in the ocean. You're going to get eaten by a fish. It's all going to be good. But that's, and, and then, and then, and then, dude, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> like, 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 look, remember the, the children of Israel, the, when they've left, Moses has led them out of Egypt. They're out in the wilderness. They're starving to death. They think they're really not, but they think they are. And they're like crying out for some bread. And God's like, all right, I'm going to put a Krispy Kreme up in the sky and let some Krispy Kremes just come down to the, like the hot kind. You know what I'm talking about? Like when you see the hot thing, right, you're like, it's like a gnat to the, 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 the lights. And then they give you a free one. You know what I'm saying? You're like, I don't even need any more. And you just slowly back out of the room after you got a free one. Nobody else does this? I don't do it either. It wasn't donuts. It was called manna, but it was delicious. Come on, y'all. And, th and that brings us to the third principle that builds off the second one. Sometimes God invites you to be part of your own miracle. Like th That's how it works. When does he do this? How does he do this? He simply asks you, what do you got to work with? And he lets you be part of what he multiplies. And then what does he do? He miraculously uh, multiplies what you trust him with. I want, to I want you to think about this for a second. I want to dig down here for just a minute. God can create something out of nothing, right? He can do that, but he almost never does. In the beginning, in the book of Genesis, the Bible says that he created the world out of nothing, that it was formless, that it was void, it was darkness all around. But this appears to be the last time that he does this thing. When he wanted fish, what did he do? He, call, he spoke to the seas, which he had already created, to bring forth fish. When he wanted plants and trees, he spoke to the earth to bring forth plants, something he had already created. When he wanted a man, he made him out of the dust of the ground that he had already created. He took what he had, what he had, what he had and he made something miraculous out of it. Doesn't, he doesn't make things most of the time out of nothing. Not that he can't, but that when he's working in our lives, it just doesn't help people the way that need his help. Like, like, it's like in mathematics. If you multiply the biggest number ever times zero, what do you get? You get, come on, there's some, some students up here. Yeah, give it up, give it up. I love it, I love it. 100 times zero equals, thank you again, yes. Smarter than a fifth grader or a seventh grader or however old. It's just a principle, isn't it, Right? A million times zero is, is zero. And so that even though God can do something and make so, uh, take nothing and make something from it, in our lives, despite what our wishes are, he almost never does that. Like some of us are like, man, I have big dreams and I want God to go, pow, your business is huge, right? Whoosh, your marriage is the best ever. We want overnight miracles to happen in our lives, but God rarely works that way. It's, it's almost never going to happen unless we take the little stick, Moses, and we throw it down. It's not until widow woman you say, well, I do have this little bit of oil and you, and you surrender it to God that God says, okay, I'm gonna, I can work with that. Two fish and five loaves that God takes our little, our scarcity, and he makes something out of it. Th this is almost fundamentally always how a miracle of provision works. So, so like if I could use kind of a word equation, like God's math is the best 
that you've got, no matter how small you think it is, plus faith, plus your faith, times, right, God's power equals uh, everything you need, and then I'm going to throw this on the end, plus some more. I want you to remember that plus some more because it's biblical. I'm going to show it to you in just a minute. Your best plus your faith times God's power equals everything you need plus a little bit more. So I mixed faith into that formula because it's by faith that God's miracles become a reality in your life and mine. No matter what kind of miracle you're looking for, it's faith that makes it happen. God doesn't need your help. Come on, listen to me. He doesn't need your help, but he requires your faith to make miracles happen in your life. Because God's provisions aren't always even financial, are they? Right? Like, from from the very earliest part of God's story uh, in in the Bible... There's a man named Abraham, and he's been given a son, and he's supposed to go and, and, and make a sacrifice, and, and, and this sacrifice is his own son. Now, God never intends for this to happen, but he's, the Bible says he was testing Abraham. And, and, and at the last moment, he says, there's a, there's a ram over here in the thicket provided for you. And so Abraham is like, thank God, right? And Abraham called God on that day Jehovah Jireh, or the God, our, the Lord, our provider, or the God who provides. And in Abraham's case, it was much more than money that was at stake. Because God is not only the, the provider of our daily needs, he's the provider of our hopes and our dreams and our careers and the big opportunities that come our way and our families and the big things in life. Because James says every good and perfect thing comes from, a fa- from the Father. Right? And we believe that. But in every case, God will almost always take what you're willing to trust him with by faith and create a miracle from it. In other words, we have to give him something to work with, everybody. Amen, somebody? We have to give him something to work with. When We want God sort of magic, a big difference out of the air. We want God to start our business off huge. We want him to fix our relational issues uh, overnight. We want to skip the process and go straight to the product right? But listen to me. God is not our sort of, quote, fantasy fairy, and he's not going to, let me go old school here, he's not going to extreme makeover our lives or our marriages or our finances overnight, everybody, right? You have to do something with what you've got, because everything you've got becomes everything you need when you put it into the hands of God. And can I tell you, And I believe this is borne out in the biblical text that whatever you need to succeed in any arena of life is in your hand or in your heart already. And now you have to trust him with it and and put it into his hands by faith. Think about the stories that we just mentioned a bit ago. Every miracle happened after. Come on, everybody say it after. After the person took the first step of faith. And, And please Please do not hear what I'm teaching right here as some sort of prosperity th- theology. We are not, we do not buy into that. We do not believe that. You know, sow a miracle seed and God will turn your Civic into a Porsche. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like if he does, like hashtag life.sa.com on that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Come to our church, you get Porsches. You know, I, I don't know. We'll have a big crowd that day, right? We're not, that's not what we're saying. This is simply, take the Bible out of it for a minute. This is simply the law of the harvest right? In order to reap something, you first have to, what? Sow, right? You can have all of the good intentions in the world, get in your backyard, till up the ground, get it all ready, put the right soil in, put the right stuff in, but if you don't put a seed in the ground, right, 
guess what? You can stare at it all day intently with good intentions and nothing's going to happen. You have to put a seed or a seedling in the ground. And once that happens, God's multiplication takes over. A seed becomes a tree. A tree becomes a lot of fruit with a lot of seeds in them. That's how it works. And he's simply inviting you to be a part of that miracle, that our God multiplies what is given. Here's what he says, Paul says to the church in Corinth. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This is a new translation called the Passion Translation. I love how it's, it's, it's rendered. This generous God who supplies abundant seed for the farmer, which becomes bread for our meals. That's multiplication right there. Is even more extravagant towards you. First, he supplies every need, and then here's where that plus more came from. Plus more, but when? When? As you sow it. When does he multiply it? Come on. As you sow it. If he multiplied it before you sowed it, it wouldn't require any faith. And that's what this is about. That's the whole point, is for us to grow our faith in God and to grow in our dependence on God. So God multiplies it as we sow it. Now, this principle goes all the way back into the Old Testament to something called the tithe, right? Some believers think that the the tithe was part of the Old Testament, the Levitical law. It was, but it was even there before God gave Moses the, 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 the law. And then it was reaffirmed by Jesus in the New Testament. And there's very few things in your life and my life that declare that God is my provider more than honoring him with the first, with the tithe. Now, what's the tithe? It's the first tenth of our income. It's 10% of my income. It's the first 10% of my income because God always wants to be first. Just read it from the beginning to the end. God always wants to be first. Now, here's the cool thing, or the funny thing, rather. Whenever I talk about tithe, like once a year, very rarely, whenever I talk about it, the room gets quiet, people get nervous, people feel guilty, people get angry. Some people, we've seen it, I'm just going to leave it alone. People get all ticked off. But can I just stop and say, guilt-free, anger-free, chill-out, free, okay, not chill-out-free, chill-out, everybody. Like, nobody's going to pressure you, nobody's going to guilt you into anything. Put all that in the parking lot for a minute. Let's just think this through, all right? When the Bible asks, yeah, I didn't say it all right, but I'm just going to, I'm going to assume. He's talking about money. Never talk about money in politics. Chill out. Everybody chill out. It's all good. When the Bible asks us to take the first tenth of our earnings and give it to God's purposes in the world, obviously that requires faith. Some of you are like, dude, just go look at my math. It's not going to work. It obviously, it requires faith. And let me tell you how this works. I've, I've shared this illustration before. Let me do it again. Let's say you have two people who love Jesus, who follow Jesus, right? They've been Christians, Christ followers for the exact same amount of time. One of them has a lot of faith in this regard around finances. They're like, yeah, I believe. I read this in the scripture. I'm going to trust God. If this is what he says, his word says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust him with the tithe. And, 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 if it, and then the, the, the less faith individual says, yeah... I don't know about all that. I, I got to get from A to B financially. And in order for me to get from A to B financially, I need 100% because the government is already taking like 25 or 30 or whatever percent. Come on, y'all, get, get an amen on that. All right. Um, and then you take this other Christian, been a Christian the same amount of time, but, but he or she is faith-filled in this idea. They listen to God's word on this, and they say, this is what I believe. I believe that God will take me from point A to point B with 90% of my earnings, and I'm going to give 10% as, as I've been instructed. And God, as he promised in his word, is going to take me not only from A to B, but he's going to take me from B to C. He's going to take me to a place beyond B, right? 
you got to track with me now. you got to stay with all the letters here. It's like math, but it's not, all right? And, and this place is described in the Bible as a place of blessing and fruitfulness and flourishing. And, and other passages described as a place of favor. And every single follower of Jesus that I've ever known who has joyfully put this faith-filled practice into place can tell you stories, can tell you see stories, stories of blessing and answered prayer because it's not just financial. It's just like this all-encompassing thing that God does in our lives of protection and friendships and new opportunities, unexpected stuff coming your way, and you're like, what? How is this real? God, thank you. And, And I've been living this way my entire life since I was a kid, and I can tell you, my wife can tell you this as well. We've been doing this since we were young children, and I have so many sort of sea stories to tell. Now, here's what's funny to me. Both of these Christ followers think the other one is an idiot. Come on, y'all, that's funny, right? They're like, idiot, you know? And, and, and they really do. The less faith Christian will look at the more faith Christian and go, bro, are, are, you, are, you, are you smoking the Kool-Aid, the pastor? I don't know how you smoke Kool-Aid, but whatever. The pastor's putting out there. You think you're going to get from A to B on 90%. You can't. And so less faithful guy thinks that more faithful girl guy is, is an idiot. Well, more faith guy looks at the other less faith guy and goes, idiot. But he says it real nice, you know what I'm saying? Um, for Jesus, you know, um, he's like, you're, you're, an, you're an idiot because all you're ever going to experience is that A to B. Yeah, you're going to get from A to B. You can do that on, on, your, on the way you're doing it. But you're never going to experience B to C. You're never going to know the feeling of God's, now hear this, supernatural activity, because that's what we're talking about today. You're never going to experience that feeling of God's supernatural activity in your financial life and beyond. You will never know the sense of, I can't believe how good God has been to me and being blessed beyond what other people see because this is the land of God's blessings. This is God saying, hey, trust me. Malachi, book them out. Trust me in this and see if I will not pour out so many blessings on you that you cannot contain. So they both just keep thinking each other is an idiot. And here's what I'm asking you right now. What kind of idiot do you want to be? Come on, somebody. It's kind of funny, y'all. Come on, it's kind of funny. All right. Church, I'm telling some of you, for some of you, this is a brick wall that you keep running into, and you're going to keep running into it until you say, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you with this. I'm going to test you in this. I'm going to try you in this. That's Because that's exactly what God says. Test me with this. That's what he says. Because every time you give and every time you, you sow a seed into, into good, God's good ground, God multiplies it. And let me tell you what happens. Listen, like, like, you, you, can, you can give to all sorts of activities out in the world, all sorts of charities and stuff, but very few places can you give that make an eternal difference. Hundreds of people have given their lives to Jesus this year at LifePoint already. Hundreds of people. Over 200 people this year alone. All of this possible because somebody said, you know what, I'm going to trust God at His word. I'm going to sow into my church. Listen, you might be part of God's miraculous provision for somebody else sometimes. It's not always about us. It's that God God told Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. You're going to be a a conduit of blessing. Here's what Paul says to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us. And he's talking about him and his ministry team. As we go out proclaiming the word of God, as we go out sharing the gospel, People that you'll never meet are going to be are, are going to are going to are going to give thanks to God because of what you did, because of what you gave. 
Do, do you realize that when God provides miraculously on your behalf and you say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be, be a giver, you might be part of somebody else's miracle story. Do, do you realize that you've already been part of somebody else's miracle story this year? In, in the last couple of years, as we've ramped up our, our, our outreaches, our giving to places like Urban Faith and Ima's Home for Kids in the Philippines and, and down in Haiti and Agora uh, right here in San Antonio and SA Heals, which is a, a newer partnership that we've established, these people have done so much for God's kingdom and so many people have been saved and have been baptized because through these organizations because in part because you gave there, there are people in Costa Rica right now whose lives ha have been changed right now there are two churches meeting right now in Costa Rica whose lives have been changed in part because of you guys last this this last year in the summer this year in the summer I should say it feels like it's already the next year but it's not all right we went to Costa Rica two different trips two different places help build, build up the local church in Tilleron and, and Paraiso. There are churches meeting there right now, uh, and lives are being changed in part because you gave. In, in addition, the church in, in Tilleron um, had a Bible college that we went to, and there were some incredibly gifted construction people and, and men and women both here that went over there and did stuff. I just got drinks for them and carried boards and swept up after them because I have no skills around the construction thing. Just look at our brother, right? right? But, we, we, but right now, they, we were building classrooms for a Bible college that's ongoing. It started this fall. And that Bible college, listen to me now, that Bible college is going to produce dozens of young men and young women who are going to go from Tilleron all throughout the country of Costa Rica planting churches and it's possible that thousands of people will will come to faith in part because God multiplied what you gave that's how it works amen somebody and wherever there's a need in scripture God miraculously provides now here's the thing though here's what happens to us fear immediately comes and says yeah but what if I don't have enough and or what if we run out and what, what if we can't make a difference? Fear asks, what if I run out? Faith asks, what do I have in my hand that I can give, right? Fear says, I can't afford a tithe. Faith says, 90% with God's blessings goes further than 100% without his blessings. Fear says, I don't have enough. Faith says, my God is more than enough. You remember these things. You internalize things. You, 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 you download them on your heart. You believe them. If you're in need, the scriptures say, and my God will meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And sometimes our God will miraculously meet a need through you. But here's the last part. This is the biggest part of all. God is the God he provides. And not just for our daily needs and our daily activities, but most importantly, he's provided a way out of our sins. Do you, do you remember this, this, this verse? It's the most famous verse in all of the Bible. For God so loved the world that he, what? He, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him, whoever puts their faith and trust in him, will not perish but have eternal life. John 10.10 10 says that, that, that Jesus came so that we might have life and have it in abundance. And this provision, this inestimable gift of, of God's son, Jesus, was more than just kindness to us. It was a rescue mission. It was a ransom. It was a debt paid. It was a punishment born as a substitute for the guilty, me and you. you. You and I are born into this world in a situation that no amount of worldly provision can meet. No, ma no, matter, no matter what we can earn in life, we can't pay the debt that is ours. You can't meet these kinds of needs on your own. 
It's a spiritual need that needs to be paid for by a spiritual Savior, and His name is Jesus. And that's why, matter of fact, some of you are here right now. All over this place, I want you to pray with me. Just bow your heads and close your eyes, especially if you're here today and you say, you know what, Danny, man, I have never given my life to Jesus. I have never, I have never sort of, quote, bowed the knee to Jesus. But I want to. you can do that in this place today. You can just simply say, God, I love you, and I, I want you to be in my life, and I want you to come live in my life, and I believe I believe that you died on a cross, and I believe that that God raised you up from the dead, and that you are alive now, and you've come to pay the price for my sins, and so I ask you to be the forgiver of my sins, and the healer of my broken places, Lord. I believe you died, and I believe that you were raised to life, and I, and I put my faith in you now. I put my trust in you now. Matter of fact, you can just say, Jesus, please come live in me. And the Bible says that in a moment, in a second, we go from, from death to life, and we go from, for, we go from headed in the wrong direction to headed to, to eternity with him forever. Today. Today, nobody's looking around just for a moment. Those of you who would have said yes, those of you who might have prayed along with me in your own ways, would you just slip up your hand all over this place? Slip up your hands. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Several people already, thank you. Hey, LifePoint, can we give God a big old praise for that right now? Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.